Hello, and welcome to The Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Canadian Story. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and listening to us just have conversations with Canadians. Um, today, we are joined by the infamous Colin Big Bear Ross. Colin Big Bear Ross. Oh, the Welcome Big Bear. To- Welcome, <laughs> Big Colin. Bear himself. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. It's so great to have you here. Hey, well, thanks for having me, guys. It's, it's such a pleasure to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, so what I would love to do is something that we haven't done and we used to do all the time in a very long time. Um, we used to ask every guest to tell us something that they love about our country, Canada. So I will, I'll, uh, I'll maybe throw that at you and then just ask you to talk a little bit about yourself. Like, who are you? What do you do? Where did you come from? What's your, uh, what's your background? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Canada is an amazing nation. Uh, Canada is a very young country. It was built on, you know, pioneers, uh, you know, with some dark history of taking away from the indigenous population. Um, right now, it's it's like the states, it's almost like a melting pot, you know, very diverse, multicultural, multi-spiritual, come as you are, we'll accept you. Um, I love Canada, man. It's it's so full of nature, healing, amazing people, different cultures from town to town. Um, Canada is just really the dream of the world. You know, it really is. It's the it's the golden place. I would say, you know, I've traveled over 35 countries around the world, and I always tell people Canada's home, man, and this is where my heart is. And uh, you know, you could build whatever success you want. Um, you know, unfortunately, we've been having some turn of events with our uh, our, our wannabe dictator government, but, but you know, we'll we'll take care of that. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're we're gonna get him. We're gonna get him. <laughs> but I wanna I wanna hear more about this. You've been to so many different countries. Give us a little bit of what it is that makes Canada special in your mind. You love this place. You're leading the Big Bear movement, which is a global movement. Uh, but but I want to know specifically why do you call this place home? Well, you know, uh, on my Indigenous side, my ancestors are from here, you know, and we have a very strong connection with the land and just the people here are just genuine, you know, like um, we have good-hearted people in Canada where their hearts on their sleeves, there's equal opportunity for everybody protected, you know, under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms of Canada to be who you want to be without discrimination you know, without being scrutinized against, which again, has been seeming to change the last couple of years. I think we'll probably bring this up a few times in this podcast. Yeah, probably. Uh, but you know, it's land of the free, you know, and you can build whatever empire you want to build, you know, and uh, it's a, a great country to live in. Uh, the nature here is the best in the world. You know, we have the largest water supply in the world. It's multicultural, like I said, multi-spiritual. It's just an amazing nation, you know, and it's the, the people here are so just good hearted, really. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we were really known for. And I think that's what's surprising a lot of people is we are supposed to be these good hearted, loving people. It's like basically the identity of Canadians is that they're kind, right? Kindness is kind of like supposed to be in our DNA. Now, I've always thought that was a little bit oversold. Like our favorite sport is 
skating around on on basically rock solid ice and smashing each other into the boards but we have blades on our feet like we like we like being rough and tumble but i think there's a big difference between being sport rough and tumble and like hard and and strong and being unkind and, and we're not an unkind people but it seems like our government has been very unkind to a whole subset of people that you and i count ourselves as part of uh, the basically the anti-mandate crowd, the people who disagree with uh, how Justin Trudeau is treating a minority of Canadians. So why do you think we got here? How did we get here where we're supposed to be a country of kindness and there's so much hate? Well, it's, uh, no, I think it's a simple answer. It's a, it's a sick ideology that's taken over the world. You know, it's come from these globalists, it's trickled down throughout government around the world. And we're seeing it firsthand here in Canada, you know, this is like Nazism to a to a to a to an extreme almost like it's, this is what it is. You know, they're using the same propaganda, the same BS they were using back then to push an agenda, divide and conquer, and let's get people divided, fighting amongst each other, families turning against families, you know, it creates distraction while they push all these all their bills behind closed doors, you know, and they're sitting in their little computers. They don't even show up at work anymore. They're just lying out of their, their teeth, you know, and anytime they get a question thrown at them, they, they, they take narrative somewhere else or they call you a racist or a bigot or some misogynist, you know, some, it's all, it's all just, these guys are just a bunch of bullies, um, you know, and they're just trying to uh, push an agenda and they're going about it in all the wrong ways and, it, and it's starting to catch up with them. Absolutely, it is. Now, before we get into more of this, because I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about on this particular topic, I want to hear your story, because your story has been so inspiring to me. And as you and I have got to know each other and are working together on a couple of projects now, um, we're starting to, to see kind of each other's hearts. And I love your heart. And I want uh, the listeners to know your heart and why you started this big bear movement. Your, your personal journey, because that's a big, like Zach said, a really big part of what we try to do on the Canadian story. So, so walk us through, what is the big bear story? What, what made you who you are? Oh man. Uh, my story was, you know, a complete uh, roller coaster. Um, you know, I grew up in small town, Alberta, Southern Alberta. I was a, you know, a farm country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The motherland. So, and uh, you know, I grew up in a small town in Southern Alberta, Tabor, Alberta, um, you know, I was, grew up in, you know, a middle-class family, you know, parents divorced at a young age. Um, you know, my mother had to really go out and put food on the table. Same with my father, you know, as they separated. Um, I was a stud athlete though. I was a stud football player. I think that's probably what taught me through high school. Um, you know, I was always partying and having fighting and all that stuff. Like, I grew up in Tabor and it was a rough town. You know, we used to sit outside the bar when we were 15 years old and fight, you know, like drunks. And this is, this is just the mentality. It was an oil field town. Um, you know, I was one of the only indigenous families uh, in the town. You know, I got picked on, I got bullied on, you name it. Um, but, you know, I stood up for myself. It taught me a lot of life values on how to stand up um, against bullies. You know, I think maybe that's a big reason why I am where I am. And just, you know, with my heart, I was always a good guy. I played football. You know, I went to Calgary. 
semi-pro. I went to British Columbia and then I had, you know, scouts from the States looking at me all over. Um, and yeah, I ended up actually after BC, I ended up going down to New York, you know, and I had teams looking at me down there. Um, I got a work visa to go down there and, you know, I, I ended up hurting my knee, you know, and it was just, it was game over at that point. And, you know, I started running a nightclub. What was that like? What was it like to lose your dream that you've been working towards so hard and like kind of a big part of your identity, I would imagine? It was the hardest thing I ever went through in my life. You know, I always work 10 times harder than any guy on that field. If he, even if he had more skills than me, I outworked him. I outran him. I was in the gym at five in the morning, even when I was 16 years old, I was always pushing to the extreme in every aspect of my life. Um, you know, I was never smart, but I was very street smart. And, you know, it really, yeah, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. It's what sent me actually down the dark path that I went on. And I'm telling you, it was a, it was a total roller coaster. What talk to us about, okay, so you, you've lost your dream. The thing that you define yourself, the thing that you are working towards this, this objective that you set for yourself, it's gone. What does that feel like? And, and how did that result in, let's say this dark path that you ended up going down? Uh, well, you know, I was, I was completely devastated. You know, I thought that's where I was going to make my millions. That's where my success was going to come from. And when I lost my dream, you know, I didn't know what to do, you know, and when we're emotionally traumatized and desperate, well, we start to go down whatever road seems the least resistant. And, you know, when I was down in uh, New York there, you know, I, I, I met, I met a guy in a hotel actually, and he was a Colombian guy and, you know, he was drug dealing, you know, and he was making money. He had girls, he had all these, you know, amazing things that a young guy would want. At the age of right. 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 Yes. And, and, and set the record straight. I've never told anyone this story, you know, maybe a few close friends, but this is the first time I've ever talked well, about this. Well, it's an honor that you're give, letting our listeners into this part of your life, but I think it'll be helpful to, for them to understand how healing happens. I think we, we're in a society where we don't, be, it's cancel culture now. It's this ridiculous idea that you can't learn from your mistakes. You and I've talked about this, like how else are we supposed to learn, right? Are we just supposed to be perfect, like born like little cherubs and wander through an, an angelic life? Like this is puritanicalism. Like that's all this is, right? Like how are we supposed to learn? And and you've learned and, and grown and become this beautiful soul because of what you experienced. So thank you for sharing this with us. I want to I want to hear this. This is this is important. Yeah, man. You know, I went down to New York or south of New York there. It was uh and you know, I was I was uh was running this bar and then you know I met this guy, he was he was making it all, he was all flashy, and you know, I wanted that. You know, I wanted that, you know, and the money seemed great. And, you know, he gave me an opportunity to start selling drugs. And I said, absolutely. You know, uh, he said he never met a guy like me before. He, he seen me fight outside a bar one night. You know, I got jumped by like five bouncers. They didn't even stand a chance with me, you know. And uh, this guy really took a liking to me because I was honest. One, you know, and, and he was used to getting ripped off by people all the time, right? And I was like, I started making this guy money, you know, which was making me money. And it really started me down 
a dark path. You know, I was getting into the, the, the scene, you know, around gangs, things like that. You know, people who had weapons, guns, all kinds of, you know, dark things like that. And, you know, it, it ended after almost a year I was down there. And, uh, you know, I had someone rob me. Once things went down with the cops and I made a run for the border. I was like, I'm getting out of this country. You know, <laughs> gotta the, states, go. <laughs> the states is crazy, man. You go to jail in the States, oh. you never come back out. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was well aware of that. And I, I came back up to Canada. You know, I started doing my thing again for a while. You know, money was was trying to make money. You know, I was always a hardworking guy. I always made money. I always worked hard. But, you know, I always wanted more. You know, the greed got the best of me. Right, right. I made a call to my guys, you know, where I was, and I was getting things going in Canada, right? Um, you know, I, I, I had, I dated a girl, I went through some heartbreak, and I wanted to leave, so there was actually an opportunity to go to Europe. Um, you know, my mother was actually a missionary, she went to Europe, and uh, I took, I went with her as an escort, you know, on her mission, and as we were Going back after a month from India on this mission, I left her in the airport in London. <laughs> you left your mother in the airport in London. I got off the plane. I already had made plans to go to Amsterdam to uh, set up my little empire that I was building, you know. And yeah, my mother cried. She handed me a couple hundred, you know, uh, British pounds, and uh, you know, and that was it, you know, and. Uh, it, it, it was, a, it was, I traveled all over Europe, man. It was all over. I had a place out in Amsterdam. I had a place in Spain. Um, I was living this dream, you know, I, I was making large quantities of money. Um, you know, it wouldn't be a, uh, an odd night if I went and dropped, you know, a couple thousand bucks in a bar in a night. You know, I used to have 500 euro bills, you know, and uh, you couldn't even change them in the bar. So I'd say, well, just buy everyone a drink. <laughs> yeah yeah it, you know so, so. i want to i want to stop there for a moment and go into it why does someone do things like that because i've done things like that too where it's like you it's almost like you want people's affirmation that like you're a good guy so you go out and and you just you just want to make everyone see what you you're capable of what is, what is the feeling that motivates that do you think because it is a great feeling it's all ego at that point you you think you're the man you know you got girls around you you know you don't realize people are just using you for your you know for your good time and throwing money chase the guy money around too you know like it it was definitely the high of living that life you know this is what you've seen on hollywood movies you know i'm the man and yeah it's just one big lie i was living were you so were you happy? Uh, I think I was having a good time. You know, I was experiencing life. I was very young. I was very naive. Uh, you know, I traveled Europe for years. Um, yeah. You know, and this is something I've never told anybody is I you know I got arrested in Norway. Um, I did did some time in Norway. Uh, you know, I got I got busted with uh, a decent quantity of cocaine. And uh, yeah, they, 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 they threw me in jail automatically. You know, I, I was on a plane from Spain to Norway. And yeah, I was going to stay in Norway for a while. They, you know, I, uh, they wanted a 10 year sentence. Um, I got off, 
snow on two and a half years and I was able to get out in a year and in four months. And so what was that like? What was, what was it like? What was that a time of reflection or were you just angry that you like, what, what happened then? Oh, this was a complete roller coaster in itself. You know, I went in just hard, puffing my chest out, like, don't mess with me type of guy, you know, ready to fight the world. Um, for the, like, for the first couple months, Norway actually has a track record for, like, human rights. They like to uh, put people in solitary confinement. And so they put me in solitary confinement for the first little while no 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 nothing no oh, bus, that, no well, nothing. oh okay share with i've i've never talked to someone who's been in solitary confinement before but i've heard that it's torment what is it like it must be horrible the most horrible feeling you'll ever go through in your life because it's like just you and your thoughts that's it you know what i mean in a brick wall like you know you don't got some nice oh my god yeah and like nothing no marker of time nothing right just sitting there so yeah. what did you, what kind of thoughts do you have in that moment? I've read some books of people who've experienced that. And it's just, I think it's a transformative moment, but I'd love to hear what, what was it like spiritually, intellectually? Um, you go through every emotion you could possibly think of within the hour. You know, you're happy, you're angry, you're crying, you're punching the wall. You no, know, you're playing a victim. Why me? And then you're like, I'm going to get through this, you know, and you're just, it's just an emotional roller coaster man like you know when you hear people getting post-traumatic stress disorder this yeah. is why <laughs> right wow you know? yeah and I'm, I'm kind of fast tracking a lot of my story there's so much that happened in between but you know uh first few months was tough and then they put me into a high security prison with inmates uh, these were not good inmates. There was, you know, a lot of murderers, rapists, you know, hell's angels even over there, um, gang leaders, you name it. And it was it was rough for the first, you know, seven months, um, you know. And uh, eventually, the guards realized, you know, this kid, this kid shouldn't be here, you know. Right. He, he's very polite. Not, you know, causing too much havoc. He's no, he's just like just a kid pretty much like I was only 21 years old so, right yeah wow yeah, yeah so like so you know the guards really took a liking to me um I I took a turning point when I was in that prison I, at first I was fighting a lot and then I I, I I realized I had to live with these people you know, I got to live with these inmates, you know, and right. if I'm fighting with them, they want to stab you every day. That's not a good feeling. No, that's not a no. good feeling to go through. And so I started watching one guy that was actually in the prison. He was uh, from Lithuania. I could see this light in him, man, just shining a light, you know, like, you know, when people carry that light, like a moth, you know, in the light, they're just beaming around it. And I, I you know, I wonder why this guy's happy. He's working hard. He's, you know, he's being favored by the guards, being favored by other prisoners. And he just, he just really stuck to himself and he gave nobody a reason to come after him, you know, which was very disarming. And then he would work harder than anyone you've ever met for nothing. And I'm, no, for nothing. Absolutely nothing. You're making no money in there. You're right. not nothing, but he's busting his ass whole day all day and i watched him from a distance 
know what this guy was doing and i and i just i started to mimic i started to mimic what he was doing i was learning from him I'm like you know what this guy's happy you know right he can be happy i can be happy too right? so, so tell us more about this guy did you become friends with this guy uh yeah i did become friends with him you know in the in uh in jail in in europe uh it depends on what country you come from protects you so you know you have everything from albanians to lithuanians to polish to sweden to norway to german to amsterdam you name it all the countries and that's who you protect you know there was actually a lot of uh iraqis and iranians and afghanistan in there you know all caught up in the heroin trade and it was like yeah it was all about who you protected and you can only imagine how many canadians were in there <laughs> not very many were you the only one what one 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 indigenous guy <laughs> right right um, so and so my grandfather on my dad's side was from poland and the poles and the lithuanians latvians you know they could a lot of the older guys these are like mafia guys they spoke russian you know from the former soviet union and they would hang out with each other. And I became friends with this, uh, you know, he was a he was a Polish mobster and I became friends with him. And he was friends with this, this, this guy from uh, Lithuania, you know, who I was watching from a distance. And yeah, I got to be friends with these guys. I lived with these guys every day. Nice. You know, we were in the yard every day. We played volleyball at all sports. The Philly <laughs> sport, they let us play and we killed it, man. It was like, we were like playing like, you know, for the nationals every day out in this yard <laughs> yeah, yeah. so <laughs> no jail I, guys are i honestly that not that i i don't think anyone envies the experience but they're like what a rich thing to have happened to you to learn about yourself like and to learn about other people and 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 like to go from so to go from fighting all the time to realize you have to live with these people that's a big shift yeah well uh, at some point got to figure it out man you got to learn from your mistakes and i was the path i was going down you know i had guys try to stab me you know i was getting it up dead you no know? right. so it's like what do you do you change or you end up dead you no know? right. you got to make a choice yeah right? i was gonna live and i was gonna live with a light in my heart you know so yeah so, there was a so you decide this and they let you out way earlier than you're supposed to be they're gonna give you 10 years you're out in a year and a half what is that like walking out that day and realizing you're a free man again? It was, it was very emotional. Um, I actually, I was, I was sent to three different prisons when I was in Norway. Um, we'll go, we'll go to the release maybe a little bit after here. Right. Yes. yes, went, yes. Yeah. The guards really vouched for me, you know, go to another prison it was a prison for young young troubled men you know it was still a high security prison but it wasn't like criminal criminal you know i wasn't going to get more criminal in there or stabbed right you know? and they sent me to this other prison and i immediately went in there i started being the nicest guy you could ever think of i started working out harder than anyone could. i was the strongest guy in there and just basically i got respect right out of the gates you know i wasn't trying to I didn't even go trying to talk to anybody at first. I was asking them how their days were, being very friendly, and they just started coming to me. Um, you know, at, at some point, I was pretty much running, uh, you know, the prison in a good way, you know, and I was protecting these young men who were vulnerable, were weak. There was people bullying on them, and I just, like, 
you know, I was like a counselor inside jail, you know, and uh, I started looking through my faith to God. I started praying every night. I was reading a Bible. And that's where I started to realize, you know, it didn't matter where I was in life. I could be happy. I didn't need all the money in the world. I just needed the mindset. Right. Oh, where, okay. Is, Let's go yeah, into that right there. Yeah. Wow. This is where the so truth. This is the realization. This is where your life changed. This How old are you this, at this moment? This How old are you at this moment? Um. I well, I was in my. I started. I think I went in when I was twenty-one. Twenty-one or twenty-two, right around there. Um. Got the paperwork somewhere. But <laughs> so twenty, <laughs> you're 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 praying. You realize mindset that that you can't really control what happens to you but you can control how you respond to it. You, you come to this realization, right? Come to this realization, you know, uh, going the, you know, you do bad things, bad things happen. You do good things, good things happen. It's simple, it's simple karma, how karma works, right? And, you know, started getting into the spirituality. I started asking to see the priest in this prison, you know, and this priest would come and talk to me, you know, and, and literally by the end of the prison sentence in this prison, um, half the prison was going to the priests. They had to actually bring in all these new priests to start helping these young men on their spiritual journeys. And they thought it, uh, the priest told me uh, straight up, he said, you know, this is, uh, he said, you restored my faith in God. <laughs> wow. He said, he said I, I, I've lost my faith in God for years. You know, they get caught up in that you know, Catholicism. This was Lutheran, I think. In Norway, you know, it's a very, it's religion, right? Yeah. It's, you know, and you got to follow all these rules, but, you know, and uh, this, you know, I helped this priest find his own light again. Well, wow, I was in my, that is in my, awesome. <laughs> I, was, I was in my darkest moment and, you know, and I was, the guards were coming to me. I lost, you know, I lost like 40 pounds. I had a six pack. People were asking me for health advice. Um, it brought me... One of the most amazing moments was they brought me an indigenous drum when I was in there. And so I picked this drum up and we were in front of the whole prison. They had kind of like, you know, little times where you could, you know, mingle with each other and play music and things like that. Um, this was at the dinner table and I grabbed this drum and I started to play, or sing. I started to sing and play it, you know, on an indigenous level, right? Throat singing. Yeah. And so I was just playing and singing as loud as I could, and like the whole room just went dead silent. And they just were eyes on me. And, uh, whew, sorry, this is an emotional story. So the prison warden came up to me. He was a Sami from, uh, those are the indigenous to Scandinavia. For anyone who doesn't know the Sami, they ride reindeer, very connected to the earth, very spiritual to the earth, right? Believe in Mother Nature. And he came up to me crying. And he told me about his Sami heritage and how singing to him just touched his soul. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm really grateful, you know, I was able to give this to you. And Next day, he came up to me, and there's a famous prison in Norway called Bastoy Finksel. Okay, I speak fluent Norwegian, by the way. It only took me three months to pick up the language. <laughs> wow. I call it, I call it Finksel Norsk, Gale Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, 
there's a famous jail in there. It's an island. It's like it's like a heaven jails in the world. Um, you know, they typically only let Norwegian people go there, people on the end of like 20-year sentences, 15-year sentences, long sentences, right? It's an, it's an island. Uh, it's based on indigenous teaching, um, you know, and, and this, this warden came up to me the next day and he looked at me and he said, Skal go pull ski, Skal you go pull ski. Shall you go, you want to go skiing? Sorry, my Norwegian might be a little off in a few years. Um, you know, he asked me if I wanted to go skiing and I just looked at him and I said, man, I would love to go skiing. Absolutely. Of course I'd love to go skiing. And uh, he said, good, pack your bags. You're going to Bustoy, it's island. And I'm like, wow, like what is happening here? And, you know, um, I won't go too much into this, but like during that time in that jail, I had I had different guards actually sneak me out of jail, snuck me out for the day, um, get me out of there because they could see how it was affecting me. You know, away from your family, no visitors, no friends. You're speaking a different language, but like there was angels in there, man, looking out for me, like total angels. So you go through this, you get out. Talk, walk to us about how you got to where you are now. Like how you've had, I mean, we could probably have you on again. We probably are going to have to, to get the full story, but why did you start the big bear movement and how did you become a global leader in the freedom movement over the last two years? <laughs> and talk to us about uh, addiction of your own that you went through too. Cause I know that's something that, uh, that you talk about quite freely on TikTok and all over the place. Yeah. So I'm out of prison. Um, Last month of my sentence, they let me walk across Norway. First Canadian to walk across Norway. Um, most amazing thing I've ever gone through in my life. I get released, I come back to Canada, I kiss the ground, man. I tell you what, when I landed in Calgary. Um, yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing. Um, went to firefighter school, graduated pretty much top of my class in Edmonton, went to the oil patch, spent years in the oil patch. I lost my father in between there. Um, I really, really went down a deep hole of addiction uh, after I lost my father to mass, mass that pain. Um, we lost him to cancer and man, it was, it was some of the darkest years of my life. You know, I was staying away for days on end, using, drinking. It was just, it was really, really dark, you know? And I, I had a few years of light when I got out of jail, when I lost the father, that's when I went back into it, right? The roller coaster. And, you know, lost, lost my dad, years went by. Um, finally, I tried to commit suicide. Tried to commit suicide one night, this is it, I'm done. I'm sick of this, I'm sick of the bad relationships, I'm sick of the hardship, you know, I'm sick of trying to save everybody and I can't save myself, you know? And yeah, I tried to, I tried to off myself. Um, had a friend of mine uh, drive me out to uh, BC, uh, Shambhala Music Festival. Got me off there for my last hurrah um, for night. And uh, yeah, I went in there, I partied, came out, and uh, down to where I live right now in British Columbia in the mountains. And uh, I set up a queen size air mattress on the side of the river. And I went through the most incredible spiritual awakening uh, you could possibly imagine. You know, 
you could possibly imagine, you know, I started seeing visions, God started talking to me, telling me, you know, you're going to be a voice in this world, you need to stand up and lead, uh, and I fully surrendered on that beat, and that's where the Big Bear movement started. That's I want to, is your mom still around? Is your mom still around? Yeah. My mom still, still very close with her, I imagine. Yeah, my mother still lives in uh, southern Alberta. She doesn't know a lot of this story. She knows little fractions of it. <laughs> she'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I want to talk about that moment where you surrendered, where, uh, where you realized there's a great line from David Foster Wallace, who actually did end up killing himself, but one of the greatest authors of our lifetime. He wrote a book called Infinite Jest, which is about uh, addiction and things like that. And I think I, I'd highly recommend it as someone also who's gone through addiction like you have and and come out the other side. The, I don't think people realize the value of the suffering, right? We often talk about how great it was to have that moment of revelation, but I, I want to talk about something different here. I want to talk about what you learned from the darkness. What did the darkness teach you that allows you to be the light that you are now? And then I definitely want to get into what happened in the convoy and things like that. But but I think yeah, this yeah. is important for people, right? I for them to know that like you've seen the dark side of life. You've you've lived it, but you are one of the most happy and loving people I know. And even in the darkness, right? Even when you were in the darkness of prison, your light shone. And I, I think that's probably a credit to your mother to some degree for the light she constantly shone to other people's lives as a missionary. And obviously you're very close to your father. So credit to them for raising you as they did, but it's also your spirituality. It's your love of your people, right? It's, it's who you are. But, but what did you learn from the darkness? Because we know, we know the light that's in you, but tell us about the darkness. Oh man, it was just brutal, you know? depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, terrible relationships, you know, it just, it added up, man. It was so just adding up and it was dark and, you know, and it was truly living in hell. I call it walking lonely. I was walking lonely for a time, you know, and, and that darkness taught me that that's not who I want to be. That's not who I want to be in this life. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be that sad story, you know? I don't want to be that typical sad story that ends up, you know, dead on the street. And that's, that's Big Bear right there. That's his life. You no, know? he did. He got into some shit, you know, he died and then it's over, you know, like that's, that's not what I wanted to be. The darkness taught me who I did not want to be, you know, truly who I did not want to be. Um, it was, it was, you know, I was living in hell and, you know, I've gotten to where I am now is because I'm not going back ever yes ever you, you, ever i mean jordan peterson talks about this right he talks about you have to know what you're running from as much as what you're running towards and i think it's interesting because you said when you were chasing fame and money and like the, the things that a young glory the things a young man wants like every young man wants glory and fame and all the women around all this stuff Right? But you learn at a young age, those things aren't going to do it. And then you had to face the darkness. So it was no longer, what are you chasing? Now it's, what are you running from? Right? It's not just, what are you going to be? It's, what are you not going to be? And I find defining yourself by what you're not going to be is often more powerful as a motivator than defining yourself by what you want to be. But, but now you've got both. You know what you're running from, but you have this vision that you had lying 
by that stream on that mattress, right? You, 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 you communed with the divine. You, you talked to the creator, right? What did the creator say? <laughs> I know exactly what the creator told me. Um, the creator told me specifically when I, I went and woke up on that beach, um, the creator told me I was to be general in his army and I was to lead people with my voice and my heart and, and walk and show them the path. And, and it was so head on exactly what you know God said to me. And I totally surrendered. I'm your servant. I will go to the ends of the earth, you know, to carry this light and to help people. You know, I always did help people. That's the thing. I always help people, even in my darkest time, right? And it just taught me, like, man, it was just, it was so incredible. And I, and I was going for it. So this is it. This is how the Big Bear movement started. You know, and I came up with a worldwide movement to decide religious and political views for the greater good of humanity, to bridge the gaps that are needed in our society right now to bring people together. Doesn't matter what name you call God, the color of your skin, let's find our tribe, our like-minded people, and let's work together for the greater good. The Big Bear movement is just about, about being a good human. That's it. No, it's that simple. It's about yeah. being a good human. And we've, and lost, we've lost our way on that. But yeah. the Big Bear movement is taking off. And a big part of that is the time you spent in Ottawa. So I know our listeners are dying to know. Tell us about Ottawa. Tell us about speaking on that stage. But most importantly, tell us about the love that was there. And Ottawa was the most incredible thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. Um, you know, I've heard so many people say that. That's where they found their humanity because we were, we were so hopeless last couple of years. We were completely hopeless. You know, the ones that were awake were screaming. We need help. Wake up, wake up. You almost wanted to slap people in the street, you know, like, like, how are they not seeing this? Right. The vision, the suicide, the mental health, all those things, you know, and, and Ottawa was just the most amazing thing to happen to the world, man. It planted a seed right in the capital city of Canada, Ottawa, and it's just blowing out of the water now. We, you know, when we got there, I knew this was my opportunity to get on a microphone. It's like, this is it. This is it. Me and, me and my business partner were in Calgary picking up a tiny home. I was talking about taking people to Ottawa literally a month before with my friends out here in Nelson. And then all of a sudden the convoy started and I was watching the GoFundMe and I was getting pumped by the GoFundMe. And it was just like so freaking incredible, right? And I, I just started feeding off of that. And I'm a motivator, man. When I get behind something, I drive it. I get yes. behind something, drive yes. it forward, you know, yes. just like doing football. We just drive it, you know, drive the ball. And, you know, it was so freaking cool. So we turned the truck around. We were on our way. To, we were coming to BC. Um, we had a friend tackle our truck up with Freedom Convoy in the middle of the night. Uh, slept a couple hours and we, we turned to Ottawa, man, they were going for it. And, you know, when I got there, uh, went straight to the hotel, parked the truck, went right downtown. That's when all the truckers just showed up downtown. Um, it was like every street and every block was wall to wall humans, you know, and, uh, 
I walked up to the stage, you know, there was like Pat King speaking, Maxine Bernier, you know, some of the organizers, right? And I walked up, said, my name's Colin Big Bear Ross. Um, I, I, I speak on the microphone. I'm here to help, you know? And they're like, absolutely. You know, and uh, there was, you know, probably a half a million plus people I spoke in front of, you know, and uh, the crowd just roared, like roared. What was that like for, for a man who... For so long, you know, you'd have this dream of playing in front of crowds, right? And, and gaining your glory and fame there. And now you're in front of a crowd that's probably bigger than any crowd you'd be in front of in a sporting event, unless it was like the Super Bowl or something big or some big playoff game. But you're not playing a game in front of them. You're giving them hope. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, when I spoke, it was just to give a message of hope, love, unity let's come together you know for the greater good exactly what the big bear movement is right and that was my first speech on parliament hill and the crowd just roared and then i spoke for the indigenous people of canada you know i spoke from what where my heart was you know we need to get them clean drinking water we need to take serious the reconciliation the healing process and understand that you know the missing and murdered indigenous women and men we need to start taking these things seriously Canada like it's time right and uh you know and, and get rid of Trudeau you know, dropping, <laughs> dropping the mandates yeah, were, were yeah. not good enough for me I was like no we need to get rid of this guy he's a clown you know and uh he's 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 in my opinion he's a murderer a straight up murderer you know the lowest of the low yeah, he's, uh, well, I mean, some of the stuff that's coming out showing that there was no expert advice to keep us from being able to fly. And for many of the mandates that were put in, it was pure vindictiveness and political divide and conquer strategy, which is just, I, it's appalling. It's appalling. So now you've started a few projects. Why don't you talk about those? Our listeners are always interested in, in helping people and getting behind things and then and I know you and I are working on one that we aren't quite ready to announce yet, but like you're starting a healing lodge. You've, so many things have happened. That, I mean, we're probably going to have to have you on again just to talk about all the things you're doing, but why don't you yeah. share with the listeners about that? So part of my vision was helping the world to heal. I was on that beach. Uh, was about to help. I was going to help heal the world. That was my goal. I'm going to heal the world. Let's do it. And so this vision was, you know, buying some land and, and building a, a healing, a healing community, right? And really helping people to find that spirituality through God, through the creator, through nature, right? Through eating good food, drinking good water, you know, and just leading people, just guiding them because as healers, we're just guiding right we guide people we're a lighthouse right and what does a lighthouse do well it helps to guide lost ships back to the shore right using your yes. life using yes. your story right that can relate to people and bring them back in the most graceful way and you know yeah, like you I'm, said we can't force people into this no one could force you to want to be healed whether you were in the prison it was like it was mindset it's exactly like you said it's about changing mindset so why don't you talk a little bit about how you how you see change, how, how do you help people change their mindset? We're all out here trying to like, like you said, there's so many people trying to help people that, that are hard to help. How do you help someone gu like guide them to change their mindset? Um, it really comes down to leading by example, you know, walking that good path, leading, holding voice and just giving people 
your heart when they ask questions, you know, because you cannot lead, you know, you can't lead a horse to water. It uh, doesn't want to drink. Right. And you got to show people that light and see that there's something different about this guy. So when they question answer, cause it's, it's a massive process to go through the healing process, man. It is so much work. You have to restructure your entire life, reprogram your entire brain, get rid of all your, your shitty friends you got to rebuild your entire life your finances your structure absolutely everything you know your programs you know what are you doing are you going to support groups are you going to church are you going to the gym you know change your habits like there's just so much to it right and you know and you just gotta like lead by example that's what the big bear movement is lead by example right and show people the way give them an answer you know and when the question's asked right show people the way i love that and and you show people the way by walking in that way absolutely i walk with it wholeheartedly every day um you know when i went through my awakening in 2019 a lot of people don't know this but like i was going into back alleys in the middle of the night you know helping fentanyl addicts meth addicts you name it and just like being a light in these dark alleys where no one else would go and showing these people that hey man are worth it are worth it you are valuable you're worth the healing you're worth everything this world has to offer you know and and i'll be here to hold space for you and listen you know i'm not going to try to push you into it i'm just going to try to you know i'm going to try to guide you into it right yeah yeah wow zach i want to yeah how do you think um you talk a lot about God, which um, religion is so complex. There are so many different religions. You come from an indigenous background. Um, how do you how do you approach your spirituality? Like you you talk about God. Um, the background of the indigenous wouldn't um, look to the same God that I, as a Christian, would look to. So you've already kind of done this marriage of spirituality within yourself. And you, and you talk about the marriage of the spirituality and different religions out in the world. How did you go about that journey and what did you learn through that? Um, yeah, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. My mother was a very devout Christian. Okay. I've only been really reconnecting with indigenous side the last few years, but nature is the one that helped me heal. And that's the one the indigenous are most connected through, like, you know, through the creator. But honestly, it's just different names of God. You know, when it comes down to it, if there's one thing I've seen in, 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 uh, in, in Ottawa that's had me so open hearted to new learning new things about spirituality is, I seen Jews there. I seen Sikhs. I seen Muslims. I seen Indigenous. I seen Christians. You name it. Every nationality that was there, Africans. You know, and the one thing I seen in all these people was God. You know, they were all carrying the light. Yeah, oh, <laughs> oh, I love that. Is a great. All oh, they were all carrying the light. Yeah. They were wow. all carrying the light. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, let's let's go into that. So you're in Ottawa, you're, you're seeing, you're seeing all of these people carry the light. Like you must've had just the most incredible conversations with so many people. Can you, can you highlight, um, a couple, one or two experiences that you had? So you talked about, uh, speaking on the stage, which is obviously an incredible experience, but what about one-on-ones? Like, what did you learn from individuals there? 
you know, everyone was just so happy to see each other, man. That's what it was like. Everyone was just like, I love you. You're amazing. It was like one of the biggest support group you could possibly go into in the world, you know, right? <laughs> like we were literally healing generational trauma in Ottawa just from the vibration of love we were getting giving off. You know, and we were all spirit, you know, we're, 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 we're spirits living in this human body and we were all there together enjoying it. Right. They were hugging each other. We were crying. There was days we broke down. We were praying. We were dancing. It was just like letting it all out. Right. Letting the trauma out. The government's like pushed on us the last few years. And it was just like, yeah, like, um, we definitely found our humanity in Ottawa. I, uh, we found our humanity in Ottawa. You're just hitting these lines out of the park right now, Big Bear. Like <laughs> these are there's some beautiful, beautiful things here. I uh, I generally speaking wouldn't be caught dead saying anything nice about Trudeau, but I think the interesting thing about that whole experience is that entirely unintentionally, and I give him zero credit for this, but I think in a new and beautiful way, his oppression united canadians and i think we are just at the very cusp of what that journey is going to be and mm. i look forward in the greatest anticipation and the most excitement for what this country this beautiful incredible wonderful country is going to look like in 20 years because we today stood up together and said i don't care what religion you are i don't care what creed you are i don't care what sexuality you are i don't care mm -hmm. where you come from none of that matters because yeah. you standing here beside me you are my brother you are my yes. sister and yes. that that yeah. is the canada that we are going to take <laughs> forward into the future that's what we're taking back yeah. that's what we're taking back ottawa was like going to a family union of people you just met Exactly. <laughs> it was like going to a, an endless family union with brothers and sisters and cousins that you just like you didn't know but you felt like you knew them an entire lifetime by the end of it it was like it was a connection humans are supposed to connect man we're not yes. supposed to be separated no. we're not supposed to be doing and, and i think it's amazing that yeah. you went through solitary confinement so you know literally how bad that is for someone before we all had to go through this BS as a society. It breaks you as a human. And that's exactly what the, our government was doing. They were making a jail out of our homes and they were manipulating the health system to do it. Mm. Wow. And then while we were all stuck in our homes, they were feeding us all of the propaganda about how scared we were supposed to be and how we were supposed to avoid everyone else and not go out and stay inside and be afraid. They just, they stuck us in our home and they fed us the fear. Um, and we won't forgive them for that. And we won't forget no. either. No. Um, but I don't want to, I actually, I don't want to stick in the negative too long. We spend so much time in the negative. Um, what I want to ask you next is, Ottawa has come and gone. That was an incredible experience. That was an amazing moment for Canada, one that will no doubt go down in history. But um, for you, just in your own personal journey and, and, and what you're doing, what comes next? Oh, man. I got so much going on here, brother. Like, you know, I got my clothing lines. I have the Big Bear movement. I got people trying to work with me from every part of the country, the United States, uh, you name it. I'm building a, an Indigenous nature healing lodge out here in British Columbia. We just put in a campground 
going to start doing healing festivals, organic farm. We're going to start building eco homes. Like we're doing it, man. We're even looking into uh, biodiesel right now. Like we're going to pioneer the new world. That's what I'm going for, man. I'm going to pioneer the new world and let's all go. Let's all do this, you know, and let's start paving a path because the current system we're in right now is crumbling. Yes, it is yes. rotten at the core, and it is crumbling right now. But that's an exciting opportunity, and I see you you seizing that opportunity by the horns and saying, "Let's build something beautiful." Yeah, you have to, you know. That, and one thing I seen in Ottawa was there wasn't like that much leadership, especially with the support. You know, so that's why I really jumped into the role I was in because I was like, we need to evolve. We need to think what we're doing here, setting up structure. I always like setting up structure. You know, uh, you, you build on sand, you know what happens. You build yeah. on rocks, you know what happens. <laughs> yeah, you got to right? build on the good foundation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? We need to yeah. start thinking where are we going into this new world? Financial collapse is coming inflation is coming those things are not stopping so how do we transition into the new world where it's not going to be as chaotic as they want it to be well yeah there's a great line from a tom mcdonald song where he says i believe the elites are real they're just not drinking baby's blood they're causing chaos so they have something to save us from yeah that's what they do. They play like they're the heroes. They come in, you know, oh yeah, we're going to be nice to you. And then they come in the hero, you know, or they're going to, yeah, it's, it's totally, it's, it's manipulation at, at its finest. Yeah. yeah. You know, they manipulate everything, the markets, you name it, the price of gas right now, they're manipulating. You no, know, they're just like, it's, it's just one big lie. And it's starting, people are seeing it's rumble. It. It's crumbling. Seeing it. <laughs> well, we try to keep these under an hour for our listeners. I am so grateful you came on. We got to have you on again. Thank you for sharing your story, the parts of it that you've not shared with hardly anyone. Um, I know that's going to help people. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with you in the future. I know, Zach, uh, I'll let you say your thoughts, but thank you so much for standing up and being courageous, but more, more importantly, for like for carrying that light through your life journey, because that's the most important thing yeah man uh bless you brother you're you're an incredible incredible human being and i love sharing a country with people like you it's it's an honor to me and uh i hope that uh i hope that we can we can go into some projects together in the future because i'm i'm heading the same direction you are and i want to i want to be a part of that so thank you for coming on thank you for taking the time to talk to us um where can people find you and do you have any last words for the people listening um, people can find me Colin Big Bear Ross on Facebook, uh, TikTok. I don't know. I have three different <laughs> accounts because, well, they keep taking my accounts down. So the Big Bear Movement uh, on Instagram as well, TikTok, Colin Big Bear Ross on TikTok. Uh, BigBearMovement.com is my clothing line. I'm going to start implementing. I have a, a healers page where you can bring in like drug counselors, indigenous healers, all kinds of different modalities there to really help people with their struggles. So we're going to be start seeing a lot of me all over and it's, uh, it won't be hard to find me, but bigbearmovement.com. There's my email on there and uh, it's yeah. Give me an email anytime. Nice. And any parting words for, for the people listening? 
yeah, I want to tell people, anyone out there who's struggling right now, I'm praying for all of you. Um, you know, we're going to get through this, okay? There's hope. Uh, you know, focus on your healing journeys. Focus on your sobriety. Remember that you're worth it. You're valuable. You're loved. We are going to get through this together as one big human family. And I love you guys so much. And just carry that light. And let's go forward. Forever forward, Canada. Amen. Thank you. Hi, my name is Colin Big Bear Ross, founder of the Big Bear Movement, a global movement that puts aside political and religious views for the greater good of the world by using love and positivity, like a lighthouse that helps to guide lost ships back to the shore. We use our lights, our stories to help those who are struggling by bringing them empowerment, hope, and strength. We lead by example. This is a lifestyle. A part of the Big Bear Movement is giving back with our success. The goal is to partner up with charities who align with us that believe in things like finding missing indigenous, fresh water for all, and helping to lead people out of addiction, the real problems of the world. And how can you help? Go to our website, bigbearmovement.com. There you'll find our clothing line, our product line, our team of online holistic consultants, anywhere from art lessons to Reiki masters, spiritual healers, yoga instructors, and much, much more. So I invite you all, join us, walk with us, join our tribe. Together, we can make the world a better place. We all have our part to play. Thank you for listening to The Canadian Story. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The CAD Story. That's The CAD Story. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Let's work together to remind Canadians how great our country is.